Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to our bonus series on the Digital Nomad Tax Guide. In this episode, we're going to cover part four of the guide, which is the foreign tax credit, and part five, which is banking, FATCA, and FBARS. If you missed the first two episodes, which covered our first three parts, make sure you go back and listen to those because this is kind of like building cumulatively. Okay, so let's start now with part four, the foreign tax credit, an introduction. Although the general rule allows the U.S. to tax citizens, uh, its citizens on their worldwide income, the tax code has provisions that attempt to minimize the possibility of double taxation. Two different nations, which would be two different nations taxing the same person on the same income. The foreign tax credit is the main way to achieve this goal. The mechanism allows an individual to receive a credit against their U.S. tax and the amount of income taxes paid to other jurisdictions. Presumably, most digital nomads are moving often enough that they are not paying foreign government's taxes. Therefore, the section likely will not apply to most of you unless you have companies selling products in different countries. The rules. Here are the requirements for getting this credit. The party seeking the credit must have been the payer of the credit and the foreign levy must have been a creditable tax. The first requirement is fairly straightforward. Being the payer of the tax means that the person seeking the credit is actually the one that owed the foreign tax, meaning the taxpayer may not get a foreign tax credit if the taxpayer's mom paid the foreign tax bill. The second requirement has two subparts. First, to be creditable, the tax must actually be considered a tax by U.S. standards. This means the amount paid to the foreign jurisdiction must not be uh, certain to be credited, forgiven, or refunded. Also, fines, penalties, interest, royalties, and charges for specific economic benefits do not represent a tax for purposes of the credit. Second, the predominant character of the foreign tax must be the same as the U.S. income tax. The test has a few subparts in and of itself, but in short, it simply means that the tax charged by the foreign jurisdiction must look and act like a U.S. income tax. The foreign tax credit can be quite a bit more complex, particularly when there are corporations and subsidiaries involved. If your company pays a lot of income tax abroad, consult with someone who has expertise on foreign taxes and with the foreign tax credit. So let's look at an example. Georgia is a web designer. She's originally from Texas. While she travels extensively, uh, their home base is in Germany. Their net business income in 2022 is $150,000. Georgia also has additional sources of unearned income totaling $70,000. In 2022, Georgia paid $30,000 in taxes to Germany. Georgia, as an LLC formed in Germany, taxed uh, as in S-Corp. We should say in... Uh, Texas. Their annual salary is $60,000. Georgia owes 15.3% self-employment tax on that income, totaling $9,180. For more on how S-Corps work, check out some other podcast episodes, or there's a link in this blog post to my blog post on S-Corps. 
112,000 of the 150,000 in earned income is exempt from tax using the foreign earned income exclusion. Thus, the difference of 38,000 plus the 70,000 in unearned income totaling $108,000 is subject to income tax. George's estimated effective income tax rate is 22%. U.S. income tax would be 22% of $108,000 or $23,760. Totaling their income and self-employment tax, George's total owed to the U.S. would be $32,940. However, under the U.S. tax treaty with Germany, Georgia gets a $30,000 credit for taxes paid to Germany. Their balance owed to the U.S. is $2,940. Please note, these numbers are purely hypothetical. So this was a short, fairly short section because credits are much simpler typically than exclusions and deductions. If you qualify for it, it results in a dollar for dollar reduction in your taxes, which is fabulous and phenomenal. To give you an example, I once had a client who was an Australian citizen who had a US green card. And this individual did not know that they needed to file US tax returns because once you have a green card, you are required to file taxes here. So long story short, we did six years worth of tax returns for this individual because they were seeking, they, they really did it because they were seeking US citizenship. They hadn't been in the US for six years. So if they never were going to come here, it probably wouldn't be that big of an issue. But long story short, they didn't end up owing any money in taxes because they were paying taxes to the Australian government this entire time. And any uh, all of their tax credits, foreign tax credits, essentially negated any U.S. tax that they owed. So if you live somewhere where you're paying taxes, this is a huge, huge consideration. So now let's get into our next section. This is part five of the tax guide, which is banking, FATCA, and FBARs. So a quick introduction uh, for this section. These rules can be a bit scary, so prepare yourself. There are many details I have not included. The purpose of the section is to make you aware of certain rules and scare you a little bit and to carefully consider whether these rules apply to you so that you may hire a professional for assistance. Many online sources recommend that nomads put client payments and other funds into international bank accounts. This advice is given for a few reasons. Here, I will not dive into those or otherwise discuss the ins and outs of choosing international banking options as I'm not a financial advisor who can counsel on exchange rates and all these complex topics, uh, nor am I a licensed lawyer in those prospective nations. Instead, I will discuss an often overlooked legal requirement, the Foreign Tax Compliance Act, also FATCA, F-A-T-C-A, we call it FATCA, requires certain U.S. persons to report assets held outside the U.S. The penalties for failure to do so are severe. So keep listening, friend. What the hell is FATCA and an FBAR? So I just mentioned FATCA stands for the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act. It's a law that requires foreign financial assets to be disclosed as part of the taxpayer's tax return. An FBAR is a report of foreign bank and financial accounts. The FBAR is separate from a tax return and is filed online with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which is a Bureau of the Treasury Department. Who must file an FBAR and when? A U.S. person who has a financial interest or signature authority over at least one financial account outside the U.S. where the aggregate value of all foreign financial accounts exceed $10,000 at any time during the calendar year 
must file an FBAR. The FBAR is due April 15th, which is the same day as our tax filing deadline. There are two pieces to the two pieces to this rule to trip up taxpayers. The first is the signature authority bit. If the money in the foreign account does not belong to the taxpayer, she must file an FBAR uh, if she has signature authority over the account. This often occurs when a taxpayer has control over a uh, child or some other person's bank account. Taxpayers also have FBAR obligations when they control accounts in the name of foreign corporations. The other tricky issue is the aggregate value bit. A taxpayer has an FBAR requirement if she has one foreign account with $10,001 in it or 15 accounts totaling $10,001. You get the example there. FBARs are a common issue for non-citizens with green cards as they usually leave all their assets in their home country accounts, which automatically makes them subject to these rules. However, nomads who choose to open foreign accounts need to be aware of these requirements as well. To whom does FATCA apply? As noted above, FATCA rules affect requirements on a taxpayer's tax return. Holders of foreign accounts may need to report foreign accounts on a Schedule B and Form 8938, Statement of Special Foreign Financial Assets. A U.S. citizen must report specified financial assets on the 8938 if the aggregate value exceeds certain thresholds. The reporting threshold vary depending on a taxpayer's filing status. Here are the thresholds from tax year 2017. Individuals filing a single must report uh, must report if total value of specified foreign financial assets is more than $50,000 on the last day of the tax year or more than seventy. dollars $5,000 at any time during the year. Married taxpayers filing joint uh, changes these numbers from a to 100 and 150,000 respectively. And those that are married filing separately have the same requirements as the single filers. These numbers are increased for individuals who meet the foreign tax home test. So see uh, back a uh, part two of our series. For these individuals, the numbers change to uh, 200,000, 200 or 300,000 for single filers and married filing separately folks, or 400 and 600,000 respectively for married filers. What are foreign financial assets? The IRS pretty clearly lays out what are deemed foreign financial assets. Here is exactly what the applicable IRS form instructions 8938 define as foreign, as specified foreign financial assets. Uh, financial accounts maintained by a foreign financial institution. The following fin foreign financial assets, if they are held for investment and not held in an account maintained by a financial institution, including stock or securities issued by someone that is not a U.S. person, any interest in a foreign entity, and any financial instrument or contract that has an issuer or counterparty that is not a US person. As you can see, the definition is quite broad. The instructions go on to define uh, each of the items in the definition. You can check that out by Googling the IRS form 8938 instructions. Penalties. Failure to meet the FATCA and FBAR requirements each have penalties. The FBAR penalty for failing to file differs depending on whether the failure was willful or non-willful. I'm not going into specifics on how these are defined. The penalty for willful non-compliance is up to the value of the account over the audit period. You read that right. 
If the foreign account is $100,000 and you fail to report that amount, the penalty may be $100,000. The penalty for non-willful uh, taxpayers is lower and determined based on various facts and circumstances. So the penalties can be pretty severe, as you can see. Um, it's not something to take lightly. If you think that this applies to you, you want to consult a tax attorney who specializes in international tax to determine your requirements. Uh, and also, if you've been non-compliant, consider your remedies. The, this section is not really, it, it's not really all that complicated. Uh, and it doesn't need to be all that scary. All you really need to know is if you own foreign assets, you have to report that. You got to fill out a form. You're not going to owe like extra taxes on that per se. You're not going to get in trouble for it. There's nothing inherently wrong with having a bank account like in a European country or wherever. It's just the IRS uses this in order to keep tabs on people's money to make sure that they're not like sheltering assets, uh, all that kind of like complicated type of stuff. You just have to report it and failure to report it uh, can result in a penalty. So that's all I have for this section. This uh, five-part series are three podcast episodes encompass what I think are the key issues that digital nomads need to be aware of. Uh, again, hopefully you found this helpful to at least get the wheels turning on what you need to consider and think about as a U.S. person traveling abroad. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to give it a rating and review uh, in your podcast app. That's immensely helpful and share with your friends. As always, thanks for tuning in and I hope you have a splendid day. Have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.